Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Baseball America's College Podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk college baseball. I'm Teddy Cahill, here for the first time in 2018 with Mike Lanana. Uh, The season is just a few short weeks away, and today we released our preseason top 25, so it is college baseball time, I guess, Mike. It is college baseball time, and I tell you what, I'm excited about it. After being buried in snow this last week, 9, 10 inches in North Carolina, I'm ready to see some baseball weather, some sunshine, some some infield, some outfield, some bullpens. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, the the weather uh, has... You know, started to turn in a lot of places. Uh, in other places, I know you're still buried in snow. The college preview issue is coming. We're, we're putting the, the final uh, touches on that this week, and then that'll get sent out um, to your mailboxes, and you'll, you'll be able to, to see that pretty soon. But for now, we have the, the top 25. That's online. Uh, you got Florida at number one, the, the defending national champions, although Kevin O'Sullivan has told me he doesn't like to talk about them, them that way. Uh, but the defending national champions uh, return at number one. And then you got Oregon State at number two, Florida State, number three, Arkansas four, Texas Tech five, UNC six, TCU seven, Kentucky at eight. Uh, I guess those are your eight for Omaha for now. Those are, the, those are the eight. You can go online to, to see the, the rest of them. We'll probably address many of the rest of them um, over the course of this podcast as well. Um, and later in this podcast, an exciting feature uh, this year on the College Podcast, we're starting this segment uh, that I'm calling Homecoming, and Mike has threatened to, to sing the Chris Martin uh, hook to, to Kanye's song, but I, I don't know. Are, are we ready for that? I don't know if we're ready that, for that. That's not. I'll work on it. That, that's um, not. That's not. We're we're gonna have to round into midseason form for that. But the most important part is that on this segment, we're gonna have former college players come back to to talk about their careers, talk about their programs, and uh, this week's guest is Michael Conforto, former Oregon State All American, current Mets All Star. I've done that interview already. It's pretty cool, so look for that um, you know, here later in this episode. Until then, Mike, let's talk about this top 25. Let's. So Florida, as I mentioned, number one now, um, where they finished last year. Some departures from last year's team, obviously. Alex Fado, College World Series Most Outstanding Player, uh, you know, left after being a first-round pick. Dalton Guthrie, Mike Rivera, um, also joining him in, in pro ball, um, Florida lost, I, I think it's six players, uh, which is actually a little light for the, the, the amount of um, you know, losses for them. They had that many top 100 picks uh, two years ago. Um, but they, uh, you know, they do have some holes to fill, but it's also a team that still has a rotation fronted by Brady Singer, Jackson Coar, uh, you know, following him on Saturdays. Those two guys both rank in the top 10 of the Baseball America Top 200 draft prospects. Tyler Dyson, who you might remember uh, starting the, the final game uh, in Omaha. No big deal. Yeah, nah, he just uh, you know was a reliever all year. They threw him in for the, the final game of the season. Um, and he, uh, he pitched very well, and he'll now move into Sundays. And uh, he has a really good chance to be a first-round pick in next year's draft. 
So you, very strong on rotation again. All-America closer Michael Byrne returns. Uh, so that's obviously a, a, a big plus for, for the Gators. He set a school record in single-season saves last year. Um, you know, so he can really solidify things at the back end of the pen. And of course, this being a Kevin O'Sullivan team, there are a myriad uh, arm. There, there, there are myriad options for him uh, on the mound, and you know, plenty, plenty of firepower uh, on that pitching staff. And um, you know, JJ Schwartz comes back offensively. It's a big piece in the middle of the lineup. And he helps answer some questions about what happens behind the plate with Rivera gone. Schwartz can just, um, you know, go back to catching more often. He had been playing a lot of first base last year. He can go back behind the plate. Um, you got Jonathan India back at third base. You got Nelson Maldonado, the Gators' leading hitter last year, back in the outfield, along with Austin Laneworthy. Uh, so there are a lot of these returning pieces. And they also brought in the number two recruiting class in the country, um, fronted by... Brady McConnell, who should just start at shortstop as a freshman, um, one of the toolsiest player freshmen in the country, one of the probably one of the toolsiest recruits Florida has landed in uh, Kevin O'Sullivan's tenure there. Um, so when you look around, all around the field, again, Florida looks loaded, and that's why they were a pretty easy pick to to return at number one. They're the first national cha- defending national champion to be number one in the preseason poll since Texas did it when they won the title in 05 and then uh, started 2006 at number one. Um, so the Gators, definitely a national championship contender again, Mike. Uh, what, what sticks out for you about this team? Yeah, well, for me, it's it's the pitching. That That's what really, looking at what they return in terms of just their weekend rotation, having their closer back in the back end of the bullpen, and just seeing what these guys firsthand, what they did in Omaha to win this national championship. Brady Singer, when he's on, you're not going to hit him. He's filthy. Just his his fastball has so much movement to it. A really, really heavy sinker. He's got a nasty slider. Jackson Coar can throw it as hard as as hard, if not harder, than Singer can. Has plus stuff. And and Tyler Dyson, as you mentioned, I mean, he comes out of the bullpen, starts that final game. You, you got to think he's feeling pretty confident after clinching a national championship on the mound. You know, coming in as their Sunday starter this year. And uh, of course, you know, they did lose uh, Alex Fajardo, which is which is a big loss for for most teams, but not for this team, just with the depth that it has. And with how well they do recruiting year in and year out, you know, from a position player standpoint, last year offensively was was definitely a, a struggle at times for them. We, we talked about it often how, you know, they really needed to get the bats going. Obviously, it didn't matter because they won the whole thing. But you, you look at the talent that they bring back position player wise and you expect, you know, some better years from some of these guys that are now in their junior year. And then obviously, you know, some of these freshmen that they bring in that are going to play right away. And, um, you know, health was a factor, too. You know, Austin Langworthy was a little banged up last year and he's a guy who could make a nice impact for them. And Nelson Maldonado, if, if I remember correctly, was a little banged up at the end in, in Omaha. That was, that was a bit of a point of contention. but yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. So, you know, I, I think. I think they're going to hit better than they did a year ago. I think they're going to they're going to grow a little bit offensively. I'm sure, you know, JJ Schwartz talking to him right after they won the championship. You could just tell just, you know, he's someone who who faced a lot of scrutiny during the year, and that's probably an understatement. I mean, just the the amount of negative attention that he got on Twitter and just in in prospect and scouting circles. It was it was tremendous. You know, he had a he had a rough year and he hasn't played up to you know, the year he has a freshman and surely, you know, now getting the chance to catch every day and being a senior and having a national championship under his belt. I'm curious to see how those, you know, the kind of the weight is lifted, maybe if that has an impact on his game this year. So I think obviously they're an outstanding club. They're the defending national champions. And to me, even though Oregon State is extremely talented and obviously had a historic year last year, to me, Florida was the, you know, we really didn't have much of a debate of it about it. I mean, Florida was the number one team for both of us. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's a, a good point about the offense that, um, you know, last year you had to wait a pretty long time before they really started clicking. It really wasn't until, I, you know, about midway through the year uh, they went up to Vanderbilt and uh, with the exception of getting just, you know, Kyle Wright was at, at his absolute best and, and held them in check. 
um, you know, that weekend, it felt like was the weekend they, they broke out offensively. I don't think you're going to have to wait that long this year. Um, you know, I'm not saying they're going to come out of the gate swinging the bats incredibly well. That's not what this Florida team is all about. Um, but I also don't think you're going to we're going to be sitting around halfway through the year and wondering if Florida's offense can get it get, get it get it going enough to get it to you know the level where it can you know be a national champion again. I think you know India's prime for a big year. Um, you know, Schwartz being back as a senior is, is huge. And, um, you know, Laneworthy with a year under his belt, if he can stay, you know, he, he can be healthy and, and Maldonado and, and on down through this lineup, you know, I, I really think they have, um, you know, good offensive pieces. And, you know, it's a Florida, it's a Kevin O'Sullivan team at Florida, which means that it will pitch, they will defend, and they'll do that at a high enough level that eventually the offense will be able to catch up. And, um, you know, I, I think that's the recipe that you know they've really followed his his entire tenure. Certainly, the last few years, uh, and you know, the last this is the fourth time now that Florida has been preseason number one in the last eight years. The last three times they were preseason number one, they ended the year in Omaha, and I see no reason to believe that you know this team would be any different. And you know, I mean, they, they have every chance of finishing the year in a dog pile, just like they did last year. Yeah, I mean, I think any team that has Brady Singer as its Friday starter is going to have a good chance. That dude's tough as nails. He's the kind of guy, I mean, I'd be afraid. I wouldn't want to be his pitching coach and have to take him out of a game because, oh, my God. I mean, some well, of his, we also uh, we all saw the video uh, <laughs> in Super Regionals against Wake Forest when, when it started to rain. I mean, that's yeah. the, that's he's not that person off the field, but on the field, he, he is that kind of competitor, and that's what you want on Friday nights. Yeah, he's a bulldog. Well, not literally. He's not literally a bulldog. He's a gator. But in terms of his work ethic and his approach on the mound, he is a bulldog. I think they have bull gators. So bull he, gators. Yeah, okay. he can he can be a bull gator. That's that's some kind of weird hybrid animal. No, no, it's a real that's a real like thing. Okay. Uh, like I, it's like the the leader of the the gator pack or, or something. I'm I'm looking this up right now. Um, because no, it, it is a real thing, and I think we're just going to start calling uh, a Brady Singer that. Um, anyway, we're moving on. Let's move on. Let's move on to the Beavers. Um, yeah, Mike, you mentioned that um, you know that's a team that uh, we, you know, we like you said it wasn't a an intense debate, but that is the team that that is number two, and and they are the the clear cut number two, and, and would be the biggest rival to Florida mm-hmm. uh, as we enter the year. They're going to pitch again. Yeah. They're going to hit again. I mean, they won, what, 56 games? They won 56-6 and six last year. They had two, two separate 20-plus game winning streaks. They went, to me, the most mind-boggling is the 27-3 and three record in the Pac-12. It's unbelievable. How do you do that? I don't know how you do that. And uh, a lot of that, a lot of the, the players that were a part of that, they're back. Nick Madrigal, obviously, and uh, Kaden Grenier, again, going to form a, a fantastic partnership in the middle of the diamond. Um, you know, you've got... Uh, Stephen Kwan in the outfield. You got Adley Rushman behind the plate. I mean, they have all these supporting pieces, and then obviously on the mound, there's a lot there. You know, um, you know Luke Heimlich, obviously tense situation at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, does not pitch in in Super Regionals or, or in the College World Series after um, you know the report came out about um, you know, his previous uh, legal problems, and uh, he. Returns to school now. Um, I've been told that he's even better on the mound than he was last year when he won the ERA title. Um, they have a lot of other pieces from that pitching staff back. Uh, you know, they have so much pitching back that Jake Maholland, who is a freshman All-American as a you know essentially as a bullpen ace, he wasn't wasn't even Oregon State's closer last year, but they have enough pitching back that he can probably just fill that role again. Mm-hmm. They they don't need him to do anything more. They can just have him be this. You know, great stopper, first guy out of the bullpen type that can go multiple innings if if anyone needs the help. And um, you know, Jake Thompson's gone, but w- when you look at that pitching staff, Mike, what what do you see? Yeah, well, it's just as deep as it was last year. They they won the the country's ERA title. They had the best ERA in the country, and you know, Nate Yeski does an incredible job there as their pitching coach, and a great job mixing and matching. And you mentioned Mulholland, and I think 
returning him, bringing him back is huge for them because, as you said, he was sort of their moment of truth reliever. He was their stopper. And he's a guy, he's left-handed, he's not overpowering, he's not going to, he'll brush 90, maybe a little bit more, but he's generally an upper 80s kind of guy. But he has such great feel for his off-speed stuff and just the ability to command his pitches, to pound the corners, and really just has that that it factor as a reliever to get out of these tough situations that you look for and is so valuable, especially on the college level. We've seen it time and time again. The teams that have that kind of pitcher are the teams that really go the furthest in the postseason. And, you know, uh, like you said, I mean, the rotation fronted by Heimlich, obviously that's a bit of an elephant in the room in terms of the the situation they dealt with last year. But in terms of pure pitching ability, a 0.75 ERA last year, the Pac-12 pitcher of the year, uh, they're in good hands with him on Fridays. Bryce Femmel, a guy with a, a ton of experience as well, pitched in Omaha last year, struggled a bit in his last game against LSU, but a lot of pitchers struggle against LSU last year. That was a very good lineup, so... Uh, nothing to be ashamed of there. But for me, when I look at Oregon State, as good as the pitching is, I'm even, maybe I'm the minority here, but I'm even more excited about just the talent that they have up the middle and position player-wise. I think up the middle... You can't go wrong with either, yeah. either one. They're, they're, you, could, you could make an argument for which is better. For me, I'm more excited. I think they're the best team up the middle in the country just in terms of sheer talent and, and the production that they had last year and should continue to get this year. You know, Adley Rushman, as a, as a freshman, took over and caught a very, very good staff and... You know, had some ups and downs, but he's extremely athletic, has a good arm, is an excellent receiver. And then you have Nick Madrigal and Caden Grenier, who are interchangeable at shortstop. Really, both of them should be D1 shortstops on Power 5 teams, but you have them splitting time between shortstop and second, and Grenier is probably going to be the, the go-to guy at shortstop for most of the year. But even their third baseman, Michael Gretler, can, can pick it as well and could handle shortstop on a lot of teams. And then you have Stephen Kwan in center field who can run the ball down, is a dynamic athlete, a good hitter. They're going to hit. They're going to produce. Uh, you know, they, They're going to miss some of the power that K.J. Harrison provided a year ago um so that's gonna you know affect them a little bit in the middle of the order but they're just such a a dangerous lineup a really patient approach really grinded out and they play defense very very well they're fun to watch i i thoroughly enjoyed watching them last year do their thing both in oregon and in omaha and uh i i think i wouldn't be surprised at all if, if they win the national championship this year obviously we have them as the number two team so you know we shouldn't be surprised if that <laughs> if that happens but you know they have just as real a chance to win it as Florida does. No, for sure they are. They're right there. Um, you know, they're they're right there as a favorite. Um, you know, we do have them as two, and, and like we said, it wasn't an intense debate to make them two. Uh, but you know, they can be considered national title favorites, just like just like Florida can. And Michael Conforto is going to weigh in on this later, so I don't want to get too deep into the Beavers. I, we're going to talk about them a ton throughout the year again, but. The significance of having Madrigal and Grenier back cannot be overstated. To have that kind of, um, and, and Rutschman and Quan, like you said, up the middle, just to have that central part of your defense. Mm-hmm. Those guys are so good. To have that back, I mean, that that's got to be such a you know, th- those are those are the positions that you worry about. Yeah, and and they they have no worries there. They they know who's starting there, and they know they're going to be really good there. And as a as a pitcher, especially as a as a young pitcher, to take the mound and to know that you have that kind of catcher that you're throwing to and that kind of defense behind you, you have to feel pretty good about pitching a contact and pounding the zone. So, you know, the, it's, it affects a lot of different things. And those two guys, Madrigal and Grenier, are, are huge in terms of leadership as well, especially Madrigal, just in terms of the intangibles that they bring to the table. And, you know, they're guys that aren't, you know, a pack. I was talking with Pat Casey about this, and he just loves the way they go about it. They don't draw attention to themselves. They let their play and, and their work ethic and what they do on the field really dictate, you know, how people view them. And, you know, certainly they deserve all the praise they've gotten because they're excellent college baseball players and both should go fairly high in the draft this June. Absolutely. Uh, well, we're going to move on here. We got Florida State uh, coming in at three, making them the ACC favorites. The Knowles had a bit of a rocky season last year, up and down, finished on a big up, uh, especially the way they uh, they closed the regular season and then uh, rolled through the the ACC tournament and then, then got back to Omaha. Um, 
going to be a big year for Florida State at Florida State. Mike Martin is 33 wins away from setting the all-time wins record uh, in Division I. Um, so that's obviously a, a pretty significant accomplishment sitting out there. Uh, that's secondary to what he's still chasing, which is a national title. And this team, you know, we've talked about two favorites already. The Knowles can contend. I mean, you bring back Tyler Holton, Cole Sands, and uh, you know, at the front of the rotation, the whole rotation's back. But but Holton especially is is a big big part of the the puzzle, and um, he's probably going to play a, a pretty outsized role on the offensive side as well. Cal Raleigh behind the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have to replace the left side of their infield, but um, that's a it's another team. You know, we've talked about two pretty complete teams already. I they look pretty complete as well. Yeah, they don't have many holes, and starting with Tyler Holton, uh, I was just talking with uh, an opposing coach who saw a lot of Holton last year, and he he told me he thinks Holton might be the best pitcher in the country at the college level. Obviously, you know, stuff-wise, he is definitely not. But in terms of he could pitch, he, and, and yeah. we've seen that time and again throughout his college career and with USA over the summer. He threw uh, this coach threw a Dallas Keuchel comp on him in terms of just his ability to, even though he doesn't have premier stuff or the premier fastball, he's able to just dominate lineups with his ability to pitch. And uh, it's certainly, uh, I'm not saying he's the best pitcher in college baseball. I'm just telling you what he <laughs> said because a lot of other pitchers can make that argument, but. The, the Seminoles are in really good hands with him in the front of the rotation. That's without a doubt. And, you know, Cole Sands behind him is a guy. He's always possessed very good stuff. He's he's had flashes of brilliance. He, he's had a lot of ups and downs, too, and hasn't been completely consistent. But he's someone who's just, you can just tell, is just waiting to break out. And this could be the year as a junior as well. And then they have Drew Parrish, who solidified their rotation a year ago. Another kind of pitchability lefty, but a, a solid one at that to, to round out their rotation. And then you look at them offensively. You know they're gonna they're gonna miss Dylan Busby for sure. He was a guy with a, a lot of pop, did a lot for them. But a full year of Drew Mendoza, I think, is gonna do them a lot of good. Um, they missed him in the first half of last year. He came back, still hit ten home runs, was still rocking his flow. He has great hair. Flow is so good. His flow, he has the best flow in college baseball. If you could show me better flow, I mean Tyler Holton has pretty good flow too. Please tweet us at yeah. Ted Cahill at M Lanana. Please tweet us if you think there's better flow than Drew Mendoza. I don't think because I don't think there's better flow, and I'm gonna tweet after this. I'll I'll, I'll tweet a, a picture I have of Drew Mendoza that illustrates just how wonderful his hair is. And I talked to him about his hair regimen. I'll have to <laughs> dig up. I'll have to dig up that tweet. But anyway, besides the hair, outside of the hair, he's a very very dangerous hitter, and he's the kind of guy who could have ACC Player of the Year potential if he puts it all together and stays healthy. Um, and, and then you look at the the rest of that lineup as and well. He's moving to third base. Correct. Correct. He, he he's, played first base when he came back last year. Moving to third base now. Correct. He's filling in the void that that Busby left at first. And then Cal Raleigh, you mentioned, he's a guy. He had a down year last year. There's no question. He had an excellent freshman year. Down year last year. He, he's a bounce back candidate. And certainly, you know, with, with some of the losses, losing Taylor Walls too in their lineup. You know, they're going to need him to you know, get back to at least closer to his freshman year form from an offensive standpoint and, and behind the plate as well. But he's a guy, the the talent's there. He's a switch hitter, as is uh, Jackson Luke in the outfield, who was one of the, the leading hitters uh, for the team last year and is, is very talented with the bat as well. So there there's a lot there. They're a very complete team, and certainly them in, in Carolina, who we have a little bit lower down, uh, but also in our top ten are, are the two teams to beat in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's going to be a fun year in the ACC, I think. A uh, little, little different look this year um, in the ACC. No Brendan McKay, mm-hmm. um, but there, no Brendan McKay, no Adam Hazley. A lot, of, a lot of guys, a lot of big, big-name guys from that conference in the last couple of years have moved on to pro ball. Um, but, you know, it's, it's going to be competitive again, and, uh, you know, I, I think it'll be a fun year to, uh, to watch it. Um, we have Arkansas at four, and uh, I can talk a lot about the Razorbacks. I'm going to try not to talk too much about the Razorbacks, but I think that this team is really good. I, I really, really good. Like they are potentially one of the most complete teams in college baseball. Only two SEC teams last year ranked in the top 40 
in runs, ERA, and fielding percentage. The other was L- one was LSU, the other is Arkansas. And unlike LSU, which lost a, a massive amount of players from from last year's uh, national runner-up, Arkansas returns nearly everyone. You know, they lose Trevor Steffen, who's a big piece in the rotation, but they can just replace him because they get Isaiah Campbell back after he missed all of last year uh, after he went after he had surgery for bone spurs. And Isaiah Campbell has the chance to pitch his way into the first round this year uh, as he shows that he's healthy again. He's really good. He is really good. Yeah. And, um, you know, that he, he can be their Saturday guy because Blaine Knight came back. Blaine Knight could have gone out last year as a first-day pick. Uh, he was a, a breakout guy as a, a draft-eligible sophomore. He ultimately decides to come back. So you have two really good starters there. They have options, many options, for the third starter. The lineup is, uh, they, they're out without Chad Spanberger, who hit 20 home runs last year. It's a big bat to replace in the lineup. They have pretty much the entire rest of their lineup back, however. Uh, that includes catcher Grant Cook, um, who caught for Team USA over the summer. Shortstop Jacks Biggers, who led the team in hitting. Carson Shaddy and Luke Bonfield give you senior experience. It's a really, really good team. I And Arkansas is a program that has never won a national championship, despite all of the, the history there, um, you know, Bomb Stadium, nor, you know, the, the incredible coaching, the, the incredible players that have come out of there. We've already mentioned Keuchel, Benintendi, uh, Kevin McReynolds. It, it's a very long, uh, distinguished list. But the last five national champions won their first national title. That could be Arkansas this year. I mean, it could be Florida State, too. They haven't won one before. But, you know, I, I see Arkansas as being able to, to fill that role. And um, they uh, they have higher expectations. They always have high expectations. They're one of those programs that always expects to be contending for a conference title and, um, you know, in, in contention to get to Omaha every year. But this year I think they have a bit more of a target. They're going to be looked at as the SEC West favorites. Uh, because of all these returners. So how they handle that is going to be interesting. A lot of these players haven't really dealt with that yet. Uh, but if they can manage that, if they can manage a really difficult schedule, this is a team that is built to win big in the postseason. No doubt. No doubt. And obviously, this shouldn't be too much of a surprise, but the SEC is, is loaded yet again this year. Um, we have we have Florida here, obviously, number one. We already mentioned them. Arkansas, Kentucky we have in the top ten as well, and eight teams total in our top 25. I mean, what are your just overall thoughts on the SEC to you? Is this the, the conference to beat in the country this year? Yeah, I think it is. Um, you know, last year, the Big 12 kind of maybe uh, – the SEC, by the end of the year, showed how strong it was. You know, we had an all-SEC College World Series final. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Big 12 last year was the number one RPI conference, and I thought that was deserved. I thought they had a really, really strong regular season, and I think the Big 12 is going to be good again this year. No doubt. Um, we like Texas Tech. We like TCU. We like teams that we didn't rank in the top 25, You know, a couple on the edge there from the Big 12, but the SEC has incredible depth this year, and some longtime observers of the league say it's the deepest and best that they've seen the league in a long time. Um you know, you start with Florida and Arkansas at the top, obviously, but you know you've got Kentucky with an incredible amount of returners, uh, looking like maybe they can make their first uh, ever trip to Omaha. Watch out for Tristan Pompey; he's going to have a big year. He is really good, and you know they lost some bats. It's going to be he's going to have to to step up, but he's got the talent to do it. And they return a lot of their pitching staff, fronted by Sean Hagelli, the SEC Pitcher of the Year. They got Justin Lewis back. Zach Thompson is back. They added a, some some great newcomers in their recruiting class. It's going to be an exciting year uh, for for the Wildcats. And you look at A and M broke through to Omaha last year. Bring a lot of that back. Uh, you know they can potentially make a return trip. Uh, Ole Miss maybe looks like a, a team, the next SEC team. A, a lot of times we see this in the SEC um, where a team. Is just a little young. They just missed the tournament one year, and then the next year they make a huge leap forward. Um, Arkansas was kind of that team last year, uh, and, and they uh, went from finishing, um, I think it was 13th in the SEC, to hosting a regional. Ole Miss didn't 
finish as low as, as Arkansas did in the SEC. Um, but they went 14 and 16, and as a result, they missed the the NCAA tournament last year. Well, now they they're a team that that could make that jump to to potentially be a host um, as. They, the, the 2016 recruiting class, which we ranked number one in the country, uh, you know, those guys are, are now sophomores, a little more accustomed to college baseball. Ryan Rollison had a breakout summer on the Cape. He's ready to lead that rotation. Uh, they got plenty of other pitching, and, um, you know, I, I think they're, they're really good. It, you, you can just run up and down the SEC. Georgia is a team that's been down in recent years, but they were also a little young last year, and um, you know, with guys like Tony Losey and Cam Shepard, like they can now maybe take a step forward. And, and Missouri, um, you know, in, in their first year under Steve Beezer, they, you know, it started the year really well in non-conference, couldn't really carry that over to the SEC, but they got a lot of older players back, like Brett Bond and, and, and Trey Harris came back, and, and Bryce Montez de Oca is healthy now. And so when we look at this and, and – you know, we see these teams that, you know, all the way through 1-14, to 14, it's going to be a dogfight every weekend. And I, I know I say that all the time about the SEC, but I think it, I think it really does have uh, an incredible amount of depth this year. Yeah, there's, there's no question. And, and I agree with all that. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, talking about a lot of these teams, you know, traditional power programs in the SEC. I mean, looking at just looking at LSU, what they did last year, the runner-up, Vanderbilt, what they've done over the past few years. And we were talking about, in the ACC, Louisville, obviously a, a team that has gone on a tremendous run. They're a little bit lower in our poll this year, our preseason poll, than fans might be accustomed to seeing. Uh, we have them sort of together in a, in a clump near the, near the yes. back end. Um, and Not necessarily intentionally, n- no, but it, it, just does kinda, work, it, it does work well. Yeah, it just kind of happened to work out that way. And, and all of them sort of face similar questions as far as, you know, not necessarily being as loaded with veteran talent as they have been in years past. There are more question marks on, this, on these teams. But at the same time, you look at the recruiting classes they've brought in, you look at just the pedigree of the, the coaching staff and what they've been able to do over the years, and there's certainly a lot of confidence in all three of these teams that they're going to be able to be there by the end of the year. And all three of these teams, while they do have a lot of holes, they also have several returners that are guys that you build teams around. So LSU brings back, um, you know, a guy like Zach Watson and Josh mm-hmm. Smith, um, you know, that played every day as freshmen, and you know they they have some pieces in the the pitching staff that have thrown a fair amount of innings. They have to step into larger roles, but. Um, you know, they have guys like that, and, and Vanderbilt has Patrick Raby mm-hmm. and Julian Infante and, and Ethan Paul and, and Louisville with Devin Mann and, and Josh Stowers. And, yeah. um, you know, so they all have these, like, guys that you can build a team around. And they, now they have to have the younger players or, or the, the players that with a little bit less experience. They have to have them step into and, and support these guys that, that really can be um, you know, tent poles for, for the rest of the team. Right. No, no doubt. And, and looking specifically at Louisville, Louisville is one of the teams that I dug deep on in our college preview issue and um, just talked with Coach Dan McDonald not too long ago, actually going over his team. And, you know, he's excited. You know, you look at, at everything that they lost and you think, you know, a coach would be kind of nervous coming into this year. I mean, you lose Brennan McKay, who has a case of, of being one of the best college baseball players, you know, certainly in the last couple decades or so, just given what he did, possibly of all time. just That case was made last year. Yeah. And it's a very real case. Yeah, it's a very real case. So losing him alone is a gigantic loss. But you also look at, you know, losing Colby Fitch, losing Drew Ellis, losing Cade McClure, you know, losing your closer. It really just a lot of power, a lot of experience. The weekend rotation looks a lot different. But at the same time, one thing that Louisville and that coaching staff does so well is they're constantly looking ahead a year or two in advance. They, they have players who, as freshmen, aren't expected to start right away, but they still sprinkle in and get them plenty of experience. So by the time they're sophomores, 
they're ready to go. And that's the case this year where you have guys who are going to be ready to fill in and have a lot of potential. And then you mentioned guys like Devin Mann and Josh Storrs. Josh Storrs, we were talking about it before the podcast, has a chance to have a really, really big year. He came on strong, especially late last year. He's a power-speed combination and center field. He's going to bat lead off for them. And more than likely, and uh, you know they're going to have to find some some power to replace the, the the power that they they lost from the draft and graduation. But they're going to be a deep lineup from top to bottom, and th- with their recruiting class that they're bringing in and the talent that they have on the pitching staff, I mean they have guys who have been hurt the past couple years. Uh, guys like Brian Hoeing, uh, for instance, or Riley Thompson, who can touch 98 miles per hour when he's good, that are going to come back this year. Well, they expect to come back this year. And then, um, you know, Reed Detmers is a, a freshman lefty who could slide right into that weekend rotation. Adam Wolf has been in the bullpen, but he's a six foot six lefty, a junior. Those guys don't grow on trees. He's, he's He throws with tremendous angle. Um, he's got a good mix. He's probably going to slot in as a Friday guy. And then they have Nick Bennett, who started all year last year on Sundays as a freshman who was very, very steady and really solidified that rotation for him. So there's a lot to be uh, a lot to be happy about if you're Dan McDonald. There are a lot of question marks too, but you know, it wouldn't be surprising to see by the end of the, the year, you know, Louisville threatening and really the same for Vanderbilt and LSU threatening to go to Omaha. I think with all three of these teams, um, especially Vanderbilt, you're gonna see a lot of mixing and matching early that these coaches are not going to be as set in, in what, their, uh, what their best lineup is yet. They, it's, it's difficult to know. Um, you know. In college baseball, they don't really have much time. They've got some time in the fall but, and a, a few weeks here at the start of the year, but you don't really know until they turn the lights on. And that's especially true at Alex Box Stadium. Um, but... As, as they go through the first few weeks of the season before conference play, I, I think the, all three of these teams are, are going to try and figure out how, how it all fits to, together best. And they all have the talent, and eventually they're going to hit on it. They're going to find out who their best nine is, uh, how they want to line up their pitching staffs. Uh, and, and once they get there, these teams can really take off. And I think what they look like on February 16 is going to be a lot different than what they look on April 16 or on Memorial Day. And um, you know, so as, as, the, as we progress through the early part of the season, I, I think it's important to, to think about that when we look at these teams. And um, you know, I, I asked Tim Corbin if, he, if that excites him, that, that he doesn't know. Uh, you know that he has to he has to let some things play out. He he doesn't know who is who who is starting left fielder, third baseman. You, you can pick a position. Vanderbilt is a little unsettled at a lot of them right now. Um, I asked him if if that if he liked that as a coach, and, and he said it. He he is enjoying it. That when he was maybe a little younger, he wouldn't have. Yeah. Um, but you know uh, that that he really wanted to know he wanted to have things settled but at this point in his career that he's enjoying laying it play out and and that you know he he's watching along with the rest of us excited to see who uh who will make those jumps and and, and who will assert themselves and and who will step up and uh you know be the the next big uh piece of the lineup or, or big piece of the the pitching staff to to emerge yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I asked uh, Dan McDonald the same question if he was excited about it, and he's excited about a lot of things. So he was—he's <laughs> definitely excited about it, and he, uh, you know, was talking about some guys that he think could sneak up on some people this year. And you know, Louisville has done a good job of of finding those kinds of guys over the last few years. Guys who, you know, you may not think about. Even a guy like Drew Ellis, for instance, was batting seventh, batting eighth, you know, playing sparingly, and then all of a sudden last year has a twenty home run year and and goes fairly high in the draft. So. Um, there certainly with with these coaches and Paul Maneri too at LSU, they know what they're doing. They they know talent when they see it, and you, you have to put given what they've done uh, in their coaching careers, you have to put a lot of faith in them for sure. Just given what they've been able to do. If I saw any of these teams in Omaha, I would not be surprised in the mm-hmm. slightest. Uh, obviously, we're not projecting that with where we have them ranked coming into the year. But if any of them. You know, was there? If all three of them were there, I would not be surprised. They all have the talent to do it. It's just a matter of finding out how to get that talent out of the 
you know, get that talent to gel mm-hmm. and, and get to get it to gel at the right time. And, and that's something that all three of these coaches really do a great job at. Um, you know, LSU just seems to me every May, yeah. like clockwork, all of a sudden they're playing their best baseball. They figured it out. And, you know, I, it's going to – I have no doubt that it's going to be the same way again. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be eager to see how it works out at, at all three of those places. So those guys, those teams are 17, 18, 19 in the poll. Um, as we get into the 20s, things got a little, a little more difficult to do, uh, as they often do. You know, you only have so many spots. But this year, I think really we, we both felt like there were a lot more teams than 25 that – uh, we could have put here in the in in the top twenty five. Yeah, we we definitely struggled and went back and forth on a lot of different teams, and you know certainly some of the teams that didn't make the cut are going to be on our radar in the first couple of weeks of the season, and probably be the first teams to move in. You know, you look at a conference, for instance, we have Central Florida as the only American team in, but we also talked about Houston as a team that could be ranked a, a team that brings back a lot from a pitching standpoint, has some power as well, and really just has has been right there the last few seasons in terms of talent and, you know, a, a team that has been really consistently, for me at least, an Omaha sleeper the last few years and hasn't, hasn't <laughs> was that, yet Was that your it. official Omaha sleeper two out of the last three years or was it, it might have been years? It might have been. I, I think so. I don't remember. I'm kind of hazy on that, but <laughs> I, you know, I'm not, I, they have a chance to put together another big year as does you know UConn was a team that we talked about um, I have a feature coming on Tim Kate who's their ace left-hander um, that's going to be in our college preview issue they're going to pitch they have him back he's a strikeout machine a really filthy lefty with a nasty breaking ball they have Mason Fioli behind him that's an, an excellent one-two punch and offensively they lose Willie Yon, which is, is a big loss for them and, and a couple other pieces but they have the chance to be just as good if not better offensively this year with what they have returning and their team that was in a regional two years ago and was snubbed for regional last year. They were on the bubble. It, there's no question they were a bubble team, but they feel as though they were snubbed. So that's something that's going to motivate them. Um, and even a team, you know, ECU was our preseason number six last year. It did not work out that way. Um, it did not. But they were, you know, everyone was hyping them up. It was just one of those deals where sometimes the the talent and the results don't match. And, you know, but they bring back a lot of talent and they have the chance to make some noise this year, too. So the American is a very interesting conference. And um, and let's not yeah. forget that they added Wichita State. Who, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm interested to see. Yeah. No, no question. No question. That that conference has been a dogfight over the last few years. And it's any time you try to predict who's going to win it. You know, last year Cincinnati was in first for a little bit, I believe, or was it the year before? I, I think it was it two up. years ago. It was two years ago. But in any event, it's tough to predict. So that's so Central Florida is our chosen one right now, and they're going to be good. There's no question. But they, you know, we've talked about teams with questions. They have questions of their own. They they lost a bit, quite a bit, um, but they they brought in some really solid junior college players and. Um, you know, we like what they, they have on the mound, especially, and mm-hmm. uh, Ryland Thomas there in the middle of the order uh, providing some thump. You know, I, 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 I feel good about them, and maybe I'm a little bullish on them. But, you know, when you look at the top of that conference, you look at UCF, you look at Houston, you look at UConn, especially those three teams, we, we felt like we were splitting and, and you can throw South Florida into that too. Yeah. Um, it was splitting hairs a little bit, but uh, ultimately we, we landed on Central Florida and um, – yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Um, also, the the Big Twelve had a few teams that, that we were looking at. Um, yeah, I know you like West Virginia. I like Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma State too. Oklahoma State very about. good. Baylor very good. Um, you know these teams are all all sitting out there, and uh, frankly, we probably could have ranked any one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, Oklahoma very interesting. They, they every I think it was every. They, everyone that started a game for them last year returned, as I recall, on the mound. And then Steel Walker, one of the best hitters in the country. Mm-hmm. Dom Dorenzo stays healthy this year. You know that's another nice bat to have. Um, you know, so it'll be an interesting year for for Skip Johnson in his first season. Uh, Baylor returns a lot, and, and um, you know West Virginia returns a lot as well from a team that uh, made a regional final last year. Yeah, I mean the Big Twelve in general, we haven't uh, dug deep on them yet on this podcast, just to kind of go over them for a second and give them their due. They were an excellent conference last year, as you mentioned earlier. You know, Texas Tech, certainly we have them in our top 10. 
they're loaded. They're bringing back pretty much, at least from a pitching standpoint, they're bringing back everybody. And yeah, I mean, there, be... there's some um, pieces in the middle of the lineup they have to replace. Yeah, um, you know, Tanner Gardner, Ryan Lawn, uh, Hunter Hargrove, all are gone. But with uh, with Davis Martin back healthy, with Stephen Gingery back uh, in the rotation, um, you know, they've uh, they look very dangerous again. We have uh, TCU who. It just seems like every year, if you're a TCU fan, you can go ahead and make plans to go to <laughs> Omaha because they four straight years, four straight years, and you know they're uh, they're in our eight for Omaha. If you if you go based on our rankings here, they're in our top eight. You know they're a team that yes they lost a lot. They were a veteran team a year ago, but they also bring back quite a bit too. Um, they're gonna pitch. They have. Uh, you know, Luke and Baker there as well. Uh, of course, he's a, a big, you know, since he was a freshman, he, he didn't look like a freshman. He looked like he could have been, could have been in the big when leagues. you're like, what, 6'4", 250. Yeah, yeah so they're, they're loaded. And then Texas is a, is a team that, uh, you know, the Longhorns, we haven't seen them in Omaha in quite some time, but this could be a year it wasn't where... that long ago. It feels like... It does, it feels like for, it's forever as ago. As long as, yeah... For but it Longhorn, wasn't that long ago. For Longhorn fans, yes. it probably feels like a, a while ago. But um, Texas has a chance to be very good this year, too. They're right in the middle of our, our poll, second year under David Pierce. They're going to pitch really well, um, as they always seem to do, with Nolan Kingham back and then um, Chase Sugar behind him and Blair Henley behind him. All three of those guys you know, sit in the low 90s, can touch a little bit higher. And you know they have the chance to be a little bit more offensive, too, this year with a couple of the transfers they brought in with the development of some of their younger guys who started as freshmen last year, like Austin Todd and, and David Hamilton at shortstop. Um, so they're very interesting, too, and they have a, a tough slate early on. They, they have a trip to LSU early in the year, which should be a really fun series. And they also play Stanford early in the year, which is another team that – in our top 10, uh, has has an interesting kind of storyline to it with a brand new coach and Dave Esker replacing uh, 41 years of Mark Marquez, which is obviously somewhat of a question mark. <laughs> uh, that's that's Those are gigantic shoes to fill, but you look at the talent that they have. They bring back Tristan Beck behind Chris uh, Bubik, who was just a tremendous pitcher for them last year, had a great summer. Um, Eric Miller's no slouch as their Sunday starter as well, a sophomore. And, you know, they're a team that has a chance to be a little more offensive this year, too, with some of the talent that they're bringing in. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're, I'm bullish on Texas. Uh, they're going to have to survive that, that non-conference schedule, though. And, it's uh, brutal. It's always tough for Texas. Um, you know, that was one of the things that, that Augie Garrido um, did at Texas uh, was, was schedule really, really tough. And David Pierce, um, you know, that LSU series is uh, one of his, like, he, he put that on the schedule, if I recall correctly. And um, you know, so he's continuing that. And uh, it, it's, it's going to be tough for the Longhorns early on. They're going to be tested. But once they get through that, once they get into, once they get settled and, uh, you know, get, the, get those pitchers really going, um, you know, I think they, they can be really, really good. And, you know, they can win those, those series. Um, you know, they... They, they don't have to – they could be a team that just rolls out of the gate. Um, you know, they're, they're very talented, and, um, you know, they, uh, they really pushed uh, Long Beach in, the, in that regional last year. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I'm excited for the Stanford-Texas series. It's a four-game series, and it's going to be just pitching, pitching, pitching. It's going to be a lot of outstanding pitching on display in that series, probably some low-scoring games, but – should be a lot of fun. Stanford has a tough schedule, too, um, as, as well, as always, starting with Cal State Fullerton and going on from there. So um, it should be another strong year uh, on the West Coast. It should be another strong year in the Big 12 as well. Yeah, hopefully it'll be a, a, another another exciting year all around. Uh, we could continue talking about this stuff for probably hours, uh, but we still have an issue to finish, and uh, we... Uh, we, we'll, we'll get back uh, to the podcast uh, in, in, into a form here, into a regular form, I guess is what I'm trying to say. The, a, the podcast is a thing that we will be doing. <laughs> yes, we will have plenty of time <laughs> to discuss these teams more yeah. uh, leading up to the season. And then obviously every week uh, you know, we'll be coming to you with uh, the regular Baseball America pod, college podcast every Monday. Um, and uh, so, yeah. We're we're gonna we're gonna have another fun season here, Mike. Do you have a national uh, championship uh, pick right now? 
on right, the spot. Right now, you're totally putting me on the totally spot. Totally on the spot. Uh, on the spot, I'm going to say Oregon State because okay. I know you're going to say Florida. I am going to say Florida, I think. It, yeah. uh, now, both of us, uh, we have to make a pick in the magazine, and we. It might change. It could change. It, it could change. change. We're not locked into these. I want to think about it a little right bit. Right now, more. Mike is saying Oregon State. I'm saying Florida. Um, I asked Michael Conforto, this, this is a good segue here, I asked Michael Conforto for his Oregon State prediction, and he declined to give one um, because Pat Casey, he felt like Pat Casey probably wouldn't want him to. Uh, so he'll elaborate on that and more about the Beavers uh, right now as I talk to Mets All-Star Michael Conforto. Joining me today on our first ever homecoming segment of the Baseball America College Podcast is former Oregon State All-American and current Mets All-Star Michael Conforto. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast today, Michael. Happy to have you. Of course, no problem, Teddy. I'm uh, I'm happy to be here. It's uh, it's hard to believe, but uh, baseball season fast approaching, college season fast approaching. So uh, I wanted to talk with you a little bit about Oregon State, uh, where obviously you had a, a very impressive career. The Beavers are coming off uh, an unbelievable season in which they had two separate 23-game winning streaks, made that deep run in Omaha before uh, falling to LSU uh, one game shy of the finals. They returned several key pieces this year. Looks like they'll be in for another great season. So, Michael, wh- what do you think of the Beavers this year? How closely were you able to, to follow them last year? And, and, and what did you think as, as they uh, you know, just kept winning and winning? Uh, it was unbelievable. Uh, you know, I I wasn't able to follow quite as closely, you know, being on the East Coast and, um, you know, not being able to watch their games, um, you know, on the Pac-12 network and, and stuff like that. But just, you know, following over social media, um, you know, I'm I'm fairly close with Pat Casey still. So, you know, I text him from time to time saying the, the boys look great. And, I mean, their season last year was great. It was unbelievable. But I, but I know um, – you know, starts from the top. Coach Casey's not—he's not satisfied with a great season. You know, unless it ends the right way. And and I know the players are are following suit there. So, um, they do look good coming back this year. And and uh, you know, I hope uh, I know I know Coach Casey will have them ready. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When um when they're in Omaha, is it a little easier for for guys to watch? You know, in the in the clubhouse while while you're hanging out getting ready for games. It is, yeah. It's 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 much easier, you know, nationally televised. And even the uh, I watched the uh, the regionals and the super regionals, and um, you know, saw them play well there. I was in San Francisco when they lost to uh, LSU, and that was a bummer. Um, you know, definitely um, not the way they wanted to end things, but um, it was really really fun to watch them. I mean, that team had so much passion, um, you know, some really great leadership, and and uh, it's great that they're returning some some of those guys. Yeah, I mean, Nick Madrigal, one of those guys coming back. Uh, I don't know, for me, when I watch Oregon State, I think for a lot of people, he kind of stands out. Um, what, what do you think when uh, when you're able to, to watch him? What do, what do you think of him? He's impressive. I mean, just from the from the conversations I've had with Coach Casey from, from the guys, um, I think Max Engelbrecht was the only player that was still there last year um, that I had played with, and he just told me, I mean, this guy – He's never seen a baseball mind like him. Obviously, the the tools and the athleticism are, you know, something that you can see clearly. But um, it's it's his baseball savvy. It's it's uh, um, you know his his knowledge of the game is is I think what what really sets him apart. Um, and obviously, he's he's got a great bat. He's he's an incredible infielder. All that stuff. But um, you know, there's that there's that it factor with him, and um, he's really fun to watch. I mean, you know. We've all seen what what a small guy, you know, like Jose Altuve can do. You know, I don't think the size matters. I think it's the heart, and um, you know, so I'm I'm excited to see him play this year and and watch him the rest of his career. Absolutely. Um, and you mentioned Pat Casey. Uh, how much respect do you have for him? Obviously, he's done just an incredible job building that program. Won a couple national titles. Uh, in, in your eyes, what makes him such a good coach? He is a uh, he's a motivator. Um, he's he's got a tremendous eye for um, mental toughness. You know, you you really have to. You're you're going through the gauntlet if you're if you're going to Oregon State and you're going through fall fall practice, uh, winter ball. Um, you know, and fighting to stay in the lineup. I mean, he's you know he's not gonna uh, 
He's not going to play favorites. He's going to play the guy that he thinks is going to do the job, who's going to execute, who's going to show up every day and work his butt off. Um, you know, and, and, and I recognize that. You know, I, I didn't always, uh, you know, you didn't always like him. Um, you know, and I think that's a very important thing in a coach. You know, he, he's got to be able to be the bad guy and, and uh, you know, in a way that kind of brings the team together. Um, you know, you kind of you're, – you're a little extra motivated to, to prove them wrong, to, you know, to show that, that you're mentally tough. And, and um, you know, so I think, you know, that being said, he's he, he cares about his players. You know, you really realize that when you leave the program, he checks up on you. Um, you know, whenever you go back, he welcomes you with, with open arms and, and you know, um, you know, little things like he'll, he'll, he'll be watching your career, things that you don't, you don't really expect. Um, he's, he's, he really is a tremendous man. Um, and somebody that I've continued to look up to, um, you know, he just, he does everything right. Um, and, and I, uh, I definitely, I grew a lot in that program under him and, and the rest of the coaches really, I mean, everybody, uh, you know, kind of follows the same. Uh, the same formula, um, you know, got to be, got to have a mental edge, got to work hard, got to do things right, the right way, you know, from Coach Bailey to, to Coach Yeski, uh, Coach Jenkins, you know, all the guys. Um, and you see that with uh, former players coming back to, to coach there. Uh, I think that says a lot. Um, you know, one thing I've noticed with the Oregon State team, especially last year, but I know it goes deeper than that, is just the way that everyone takes such professional at-bats. Uh, everyone's so disciplined at the plate. Uh, you know, you, I, I think, uh, I guess it was your junior year, you drew more walks than you struck out. And, um, you know, is that something that you really picked up there? Or is, is, did you have that kind of mentality going to Oregon State? Like, um, you know, what what did they do to, to help you with your, your discipline uh, at the plate? Uh, well, yeah, it's definitely something I didn't have coming in. Um, I struggled my freshman year. I was just a swinger, you know, I wanted to swing and, 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 uh, you know, get my hacks off. But, um, that's something that I really had to learn, um, you know, over the course of fall ball, winter ball, I lost the, the starting job in, in winter and, and then ended, ended up having to earn it back in, in the spring in my freshman year. Um, and that was due to coach Casey, coach Bailey telling me you, you have to control the strike zone. You can't, you can't keep getting yourself out on, on pitches out of the zone, that's, um, you know, that's the number one thing aside from having a, an, an attitude at the plate, um, you know, that's going to get you on the field. So um, they work on that all the time. I think that's, you know, that's why you see that uh, throughout the program. These guys are, are grinding out at bats. They're making sure that that they're getting the, uh, the pitchers have to get them out and they're not getting themselves out, um, you know, on, on bad pitches. And, um, you know, so that's something that they they really really harp on, and it's something that translates into the you know into the minor leagues, into the big leagues. Um, that'll never go away. So he's really setting them up for for success later on in their career, um, and also to win games while they're in college. Sure, sure. When you think back to your own college career, uh, what what stands out to the most to you? Let's see. Definitely going to the to the College World Series, um, you know, that's the number one thing. That was always the goal to bring Oregon State back to the World Series. You know, really the teammates, you know, the the, the time that we shared, you know, living together with our teammates. Um, you know, I'm still uh, best friends with, with all my roommates, all my all my guys. We, we grinded with, uh, you know, almost every day. And um, there's there's a sense of camaraderie when, when you work so hard in that program and you grow so much as a person, um, you know, I think anyone who goes through there, anyone in college baseball, I think will say the same thing. They, they remember most about, uh, you know, their time in college as their teammates and, and, um, you know, so that's, that's probably the number one thing for me. Always, uh, always fun when you can have fun with, with your teammates. And, um, you know, I guess going to Omaha, you mentioned that too. Um, you know, it didn't have the ending you guys would have wanted, I, I, I'm sure, uh, losing to, I guess it was Mississippi State, uh, you know, again, just before the finals. Yeah. Um, but what um, what was the experience like of, of being able to play on, on the big stage there at the College World Series? It's unbelievable. Um, you know, I, and I've been fortunate enough to be in each of those World Series, the Little League, College, and, and uh, Major League, and 
you know, I have to say Major League obviously is going to take the cake, but College World Series is as close as it gets. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, it's something special, you know, out there in Omaha. Um, you know, you have all the college fans out there, and, and, and the city of Omaha really embraces the tournament. Um, it's just, uh, I think it it's a culmination of, of so much hard work, and that's why you see so much passion out there on the field every single year. Um, these guys are laying, you know, leaving it all out there, especially the guys who know they're not going to be coming back to, to the program uh, the next year. So um, I think it really is special, um, you know, everything about that tournament. You know, you mentioned that you you played in Little League, the World Series, you played in Omaha, you played in the Major League World Series. I, I believe that you're just one of three people to have ever done that. And I know they're all different. They're completely different experiences. Um, yeah. But are there any similarities or comparisons you, you can draw, uh, you know, from the, the three uh, the, the three tournaments? I think the, the feeling you get, you know, in, in those tournaments, um, you the, the Little League in college is, is more tournament style, so it is a bit different. Um, but that, you know, that feeling in your stomach before you start a game or, um, you know, leading up to the, you know, to those games, um, I think it's it's very similar. And I think that's, you know, part of the reason why, um, you know, I've had some success in each of them. Um, you know, I've, I've been through it before. It's a familiar feeling. And, um, you know, so I think that's really, really helped me in big games. And um, you know those those uh, those World Series. I, I just think that's so cool that you can have those kinds of experiences. And obviously, you're still uh, pretty early in your your big league career. You can um, certainly make it back yeah. to the the World Series and hopefully have a better ending. Um, yeah, I got to win one of them. One of yeah, the days, yeah. Know? I haven't won one yet. That's uh, I guess that's the next step. Yeah, that's the next step. There, uh, I mean, there are a lot of Oregon State products uh, running around in, in pro ball and, and into the big leagues. I mean, is, is that something you guys, when you see each other, when you play against each other, that that you you talk about or that you take pride in that that you guys are having success at the next level? Yeah, we we definitely follow each other, um, check up on each other. I mean, it, it's cool because we know we're cut from the same cloth. We know what we've been through, and. Uh, it's it, it, I guess it's a special bond um, that that we share in pro ball. I think there's I think we've we've got the most we've ever had. Uh, I don't know if it was the big leagues or in just pro ball, but um, that's something that's really cool. And I know there's more coming um, because the program just is doing a great job of, of developing players. And and um, you know I think that starts with Pat Casey. Absolutely. Um, well, Michael, you've been great, but before I let you go, do you have a prediction for the Beavers this year? Ooh, that's tough. You know, I'm, I know they're going to be good. I know they're going to be competitive. It's going to be tough to, to top those two 23-game winning streaks. Um, but um, I don't know if I'm going to... I don't know if I'm going to put a prediction out there. I don't think Coach Casey would want me to. I think... Uh, <laughs> I think uh, he'd, he'd probably tell you they're 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 uh, they're not looking too good. That's pro- that's usually his go-to. Um, they're, they're not good enough, I guess is probably what he would say. So um, I'm sure they're working hard and and they're motivated. Um, and uh, I, I I wish all the best to them. Yeah, that uh, that attitude certainly permeates throughout the program. Anytime I talk to anyone out at Oregon State, you know, it's Absolutely. never never lo- never concerned about what the outside perception is. Never looking too far ahead. Just exactly got to get better. A, you know, one pitch, one one inning, one one day at a time. So I, I'm going to sneak in one more here. Um, the 23 game winning streak. Have you ever like imagined anything like that? Even uh, you know, and then to have two of them in the same year. That's it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, guys in the in the big league locker room would come up to me and and, and ask me, you know, you seeing this winning streak these guys got, and you know that's that's pretty cool in itself. But when I was when I was there at Oregon State, I don't know what our longest winning streak was, but it felt like we we weren't losing at all, and and we weren't even close to their to their record last year. So um, I can only imagine the energy um, that brought to that team. Um, and how much fun it was 
those guys definitely will have an experience they they'll remember forever and and something they can take with them. So uh, you know, congrats to them and, and hopefully they can do it again. We'll certainly be uh, keeping a close eye on them. The Oregon State ranked number two coming into the season uh, and obviously one of the national title uh, contenders again uh, in 2018. Uh, thank you, Michael. Uh, it was great talking with you, um, you know, hearing about your memories of Oregon State and uh, gained your take on, on, on last year's team and this year's team. So, again, thank you for, uh, for coming on the podcast today. Of course. My pleasure. One of my favorite topics talk about so uh, anytime absolutely thanks a lot michael and that'll do it for our college podcast today powered by louisville slugger every swing thank you again to michael conforto for joining us for homecoming thank you to mike and thank you for listening again we will be back next week uh, and every monday until the uh, end of the season here to talk more about college baseball looks like it'll be an exciting year And uh, we at Baseball America are very much looking forward to it. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its opera ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com.